Hello, you're listening to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. If some of our discussions and tips are working for you, why don't you grab a 15-minute call with us at ecommercecall.com. We'll see whether we can help scale your e-commerce business. We will quickly see if we're a fit or whether we can recommend someone else to get you where you need to go. The worst case is you'll have a fun 15-minute chat and regardless, you'll come away understanding a lot more about your business. Book a call at ecommercecall.com. Hello and welcome to the Hammersley Brothers e-commerce podcast. This week, Ian and I are going to dive into fashion e-commerce and revisit one of our most popular podcasts. So let's get started. Hello, Ian. How are you? Hey, Mark. Very well. How are you doing? I'm all right. It's a a lovely sunny day here in Auckland today. Um, Well done. uh, Thank you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Frank sent me it's a pitch Frank, black here. Frank from uh, Duxbury's uh, home and garden. He sent me a picture of the UK yesterday. It didn't seem to. Uh, it seemed all right. It was it lovely actually today. But I've yeah. been sat inside all the time. Lockdown. Yeah. Can't go out. See, these, all these people from listening around the world uh, realise that English people they have to talk about the weather first. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise you just can't function. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> Uh, anyway, I digress. So today we thought we'd go and revisit one of my most popular podcasts, which was on fashion e-commerce. So, you know, what has changed since we last talked about it? What's uh, what are we having to do now? What's the difference? Um, and just revisit the topic, because obviously you can't cover fashion e-commerce in one podcast. So, you know, it's always going to be worth revisiting. And I thought we might revisit some of the other ones as well that have been popular. So yeah. um, do you want to kick that off in? What, 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 what do you think the biggest uh, changes or or still most important thing for well fashion well let's just revisit some of the things we spoke about in the last fashion podcast um and off the top of my head we were talking about things like the lifetime customer value is normally pretty good which is why it's an attractive business the mm. margins are normally pretty good um um you know so you know you get some loyalty there it typically is about desirability rather than a convincibility. Um, although what's interesting is where some of the brands so take. So when, when I say convincibility versus desirability, normally we say if you're selling a, an, an emotional product as a lifestyle product, it's about increasing desirability. Uh, but if you're selling a problem solving rational product like that's you know, a car battery or a hammer, it's about convincibility. But interestingly, some businesses that have grown really quickly in this space online have combined those two things together and they've created desirability and convincibility at the same time. And a good example of that is somebody like Spoke London. Spoke London is a, um, a UK-based fashion site selling men's chinos and men's trousers. And they have quite accurately identified that yes of course you want to look good in your chinos but there's a big anxiety about buying trousers online particularly trousers is will they fit me and Mm. what they've done is they've created a a a nice fit finder and they take you through the site and it says find a perfect fit and they ask you all sorts of questions like your inside leg and your wrist size and your your yeah, the way you wear your, your spectacles and all sorts of mm. stuff 
and it gives you the impression, and I reckon probably 50% of it is load of you know filler, but it gives you mm. the feeling that they take fit very seriously and that yeah. you're going to get yeah. your perfect fit. So they're hitting the biggest anxiety when you're buying clothes online straight away, and that's fit. You know, what happens if yeah. it doesn't fit me? And, and they I feel like they've been they're... listened to. And also they've invested yes. in that process. They've invested yes. in the process. They're engaged in the process. And, you know, a lot of people do lead gen, do that all the time. And they don't ask for their email address or the thing they actually want the person to do until they're invested mm. in the process. And they've made it yeah. very, you know, like uh, Hansel and Gretel is... kind of breadcrumb approach to just picking up. And they go, oh, oh I'm, yeah. I'm, at the, um, I'm at the witch's uh, house. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll go in. I've no idea what you're talking about. No, I've probably gone off. <laughs> I'm just saying that they're, 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 they're getting the engagement and they are making the engagement of the website. The easy thing to do is basically like clicking a get started button or something that's like, oh, yes. that's what I do. Yeah. Well, you're I in. click. Yeah. You're in. You're in. And, and before you know it, you're committed. And so yeah. it, that's, it, it, that's what's happening. It is very, very simple flow. Selling clothes online is initially you've got to get desirability right. You know, you, you know, you're not even going to be bothered about the convincibility until the desirability is there. And you do that through great photography and great branding and, you know, making the site look, look, and, look and feel really, really good. And then yeah. you, 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 you focus on the convincibility. And, that's, and that, in order to uncover the convincibility, you need to look at your reviews. And most of the time, fashion is about, will it fit me? Do I like the colour? And is the quality nice? Mm. And that's they're the three things I would say are the biggest things around that people get anxious about. And obviously that's what you need to address straight away. Yeah. And obviously you take away those anxieties by doing free no quibble returns and you know, like this is our promise and you know, try before you buy, all those sort of things that yeah. that, that, that have happened. You know, well, so they're like, fundamental things of fashion, yeah. but you know, you know, you know it has normal. changed, hasn't it? You, I gave you some nice notes for the podcast and you've gone off, off piece straight away. Yes. So let, well, let's, because you asked me the question. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't give me notes. Dude, there's a big image in front of you. Yeah, yeah, I know, but, you know, that, that's for you. Yeah, true. Okay, well, I'll bring it back. Now, the first thing, the first thing I thought about that was different was, uh, the rest we did the last podcast, was... Uh, there's a lot more connection with the brand that people need in order to buy. I think gone are the days where you could just plonk a nice picture of a dress or something on on a product page and people would buy it. I mean, obviously, a nice image is always going to be important. But now people are actually looking for a connection with the brand, a brand story, understanding what's behind the piece. You know, it, building with a community and a lot of the we talked about this before on one of the podcasts recently about building a community around the brand. And that's becoming a lot more uh, of an important uh, aspect to it. And, and, and rather than, uh, again, having the product page you know, exist on its own, is it, how, is it, how does it link into the ethos? How does it link into what the people are doing? Mm. What, are the, what community people are buying into? What group, group am I join, joining? And it, it's almost like you know, it becomes a movement, doesn't it? That's what people want to be part of, something, because... You know, especially yeah. as, as, since you, COVID, we're on our on our houses on our own, and it, we want to be part of something. Yeah, and you you have to get people away from googling something like you know sweatshirt, you know hoodie, 
jeans, you know, you're just not going to convert. You've got to, you've got to get them to Google your brand and, mm. you know, drive traffic that way. And so what, what tends to happen is you'll, okay, there are some exceptions to this and we've got you know, some very notable examples of, of where you can bid on those generic terms, but most of the time it's, it's a, it's an Instagram, it's, it's a, a Facebook, it's, you know, type approach where they're then landing on the product page and that product page then has to do so much, you know, it can't mm. be, you know, you know, five years ago, they used to go through homepage, category, product listing, and then they land on the product page. And by the time they got to the product page, they were very warmed up, knew where they were in the site. Whereas mm. now that all the advertising platforms are taking people straight to the product pages first. And that mm. means that, you know, they don't know where they are. You know, and if you've just plonked a product on that page and, and, and thought nothing about, well, what happened if it was a first time customer that landed here? Well, what would I go? You know, if that wasn't quite the right blue jacket for me, well, you know, what would I do? And it, it very rarely is the, the first one that they yeah. see. So it can't be a dead end page. And that page also has to show desirability and history and the heritage and that's why you've got to build that foundation and the community and i think it isn't just small businesses that we're seeing leveraging the the people of the business it's big businesses too and i think that's a big trend that we've seen over the last probably three years where mm. e-commerce businesses now are building them around the founders because it adds personality and brand and it, and it, yeah. you know I think I remember looking at Bolland Branch in America and they were a, a business doing um, you know bedding and they're a massive massive company and on the homepage and product page and about us page everywhere is is there is the founders and a mm. picture of him you know the, the, you know the, the two of them and you know these these guys are doing probably I don't know hundred million I mean, yeah. huge. Well, I think if anything, what's changing is that uh, we're so much more instant with our when we're buying a fashion product. People want to buy it. They want to get it done now. And they don't have the time or the inclination to go and hunt for the story. They don't go and look at the About Us page. They don't go and look at the home page. It's all they all need it to be right there in front of them and made easy. So if you're hiding a story and I'm looking around at a few fashion e-commerce sites now they're still doing the same kind of cookie cutter approach like the about us story on the, you know on the about us page and the product page looking a certain way and it, it a lot of it hasn't changed since you know five years ago a lot of them are still and doing... you know what as well yeah well, you know what as well is it you know is one of the things we often say and this and fashion online fashion is very very dangerous to do this and i see a lot of businesses falling into this trap that you know, let's say you're a, you're launching a fashion business. Maybe you're doing I don't know half a million pounds. You know, you'll compare yourself to the look of Ralph Lauren or somebody like that mm. who's mm. massive. And you go, oh well, Ralph, Ralph Lauren have just got a really clean site. You know, with the homepage literally just have one image on it, and mm. the product page is just just one image, like these big you know five images in blocks. That's it. They've got nothing, nothing else. Well. Mm. The problem with that is that Ralph Lauren of spending, I don't know, 50 million pounds a year on advertising. I've no idea what they're spending, but they're huge. They're a huge, huge, huge brand. And mm. we just can't get away with that. And I think there's a real danger that, that with fashion, because it is about the aesthetic, 
and you want to emulate these certain brands that have done really well, you know, if these brands are doing it, well, you can't, you have to go back to what these brands were doing when they first launched. And you have to, mm. and you have to see what messaging, you know, that, you know, they, they, they don't need to say, you know, quibble free returns policy. We were looking at this with, you know, crew clothing the other day, we were looking at crew clothing, comparing their site to another mm. site selling, you know, similar clothing. And it looked really nice. The photography was good, but there was no, there was no call to actions there. There was no USPs. You know, the checklist that we talk about the product page was completely non-existent. There was no stock declaration. There was no mm-hmm. uh, urgency or scarcity. You know, there was no nothing about free returns and taking away the anxiety. It was like nothing. It was like products plonked on a page. And yeah, I think like die, you go. Well, yeah, the Ralph Lauren. The Ralph Lauren thing you were talking about is you have to realize that everybody has brand equity in their own mind when they come to that website. You, you, you have a, a belief about what, uh, you know, Ralph Lauren is, and you bring that with you to the website. So it's like you have to understand that when someone looks at your website, they're not bringing anything with them. So you have to provide yeah. that. You have to provide that on the website because they're not bringing anything with their mind. So therefore, Ralph Lauren can do things a lot more minimalistic because you're actually already bringing the belief that Ralph Lauren's a luxury brand that is a trustworthy brand mm. and is actually going to achieve the job you need to get done. Yeah. So well, and that's what branding is. It's a, it's a adding trust and credibility, and that's why we're a big fan. If you're a small business, to add in you know, your personality and build it around the founder, mm. because it's the cheapest way you can build a brand. Yeah. You know, you're not and especially as people. Spend are interested in the founder journey they're interested in the founder story they're interested in the struggle they're interested in the passion you know if you are a founder of a fashion company and you're passionate about something that you're you're one of your biggest challenges is is a to understand what you're passionate about and how to convey that across because once people get that they will get you know once you communicate it they will get it and then that will make them want to be part of what you are doing it's a bit like when people what why i mean you think about why do people watch football matches you know, they're watching people play football, but when your team scores, you feel like it's you who've scored and you've been personally responsible. Just like when your team loses, you feel personally responsible mm. for the loss, which is absolutely ludicrous. But that's what we do. We, we, we invest ourselves emotionally in a story of a win or, or something, because uh, that's what we're looking for. We're looking for a connection. And so we have to bring that to the fashion business and it can't be just about a dress on a page. It needs to be the, 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 the moment of inspiration when that came, the idea of that dress came to you or something like that, that needs to be communicated yeah. and then people will buy into it. So yeah. that's kind of changing. And you're selling uh, and you, you're selling, you're not selling that dress. You're selling the feeling that you, that you're going to have when you wear that dress in going to the races or go to that wedding or and obviously it's a bit difficult now but yeah it feels like a lift doesn't it it feels sell. like something yeah it feels like you know how am it's, i going to feel it's, when i put it's that the on energy that that brings mm. yeah yeah and that's what you're yeah. selling yeah yeah so, so if you haven't got that um, right you can't do anything can you no no yeah. so that's kind of one side of it is one side of it is conjuring that that emotion and then the other side of it is removing the friction to buying so you know a lot of people are still doing the 10 percent off or 20 percent off load pop-up when you enter the site which you know we've seen isn't nowhere near as effective as 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 using a good chat flow 
uh, now. Also, people are just blind to it. They just close it down because they're not ready to get the 10% yeah. off when they when they land on the homepage and then they can't find it well, again when they actually want. The banners at the top, I mean, the pop-ups on entry pop-ups, I think one of the worst performing. I mean, they will work. You know, yeah, if, I mean, when they first came in, it was ways. like this revolution, wasn't it? Where you, you yeah. go, oh, you're getting these things, but it's just old hat now, and it's not not really done as much. Mm. The other thing is, people are much more uh, likely. Can to I buy also, with... sorry, yeah, sorry, I'm going to say something else. The the you know, if you think about the flow and the journey of of what we talk about, you know, creating desirability, and then solving the um, the anxieties by understanding the job to be done and getting rid of those anxieties and then and only then does the offer architecture work so if you think mm. about doing the entry pop-ups like when you land on the site it's absolutely mental to think that that's the right place to do it it's the, it's the wrong way around no one mm. cares about the offer until you've got taken them through that journey found the product yeah. they want to buy shown desirability got rid of anxiety and then you give them the the offer architecture they get them to buy now and i would just say the main way you get the desirability there is through the imagery and so that's why imagery is so important you know if you've mm. got bad images for a fashion business you're screwed it's all about the yeah. image yeah. yeah yeah sorry you can carry on now but I just thought you know it's that entry pop -up yeah, I mean, it's like that mental, entry pop-up. Imagine you're standing outside a physical store and you can't see what's in it. You don't know what it is. And someone comes out and you go and you say, would you like a 10% off, off voucher for your email address? And you go, well, I don't really want to give you my email address because yeah. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you're selling in the store. I don't know whether I'm going to want it. So actually, if it's all right with you, I'd rather not. And it's, it's, it's like, it's, you know, but whereas if you're in the store, you've seen something you like and you've been convinced and you're like, oh, this is really cool. I can see all the customers are buying these stuff. They all look like me. Um, okay. Yeah. I want to buy something. Okay. Where was that pop-up? I'll go outside and you go outside and they go, and the person's gone because it's set to only come up once per, once per visit. And they say, oh, sorry, you had your chance. See you later. And it's, it's just frustrating, isn't it? It just doesn't make sense. Mm. So the other thing I was going to say is that, you know, Klarna in the UK and Afterpay in, in Australia, New Zealand has become, you know, a really big thing uh, that people, mm. you know, people want to buy through those kind of platforms. They want to spread the payments. It's become a much more sensible thing yeah. for people to do. You well, know, it, also, was, it wasn't here cool. two years ago. No, it wasn't. But the cool thing about Klarna is that it, it remembers your details. So if you if you've paid with Klarna on ASOS, and then you see it on another website. Um, you know, mm. you don't have to log in again. It's very clever. Yeah. yeah. So that's, it's almost becoming a, you know, a necessity. I think. I don't mean, I, you know. Well, it is. It is because it's people, necessity, but it's people have been kind of like a no-brainer. My friend mm. had to add it to his business because people were actually ringing up and saying, "Oh, do you take client?" And they go, "I goes no, oh, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll buy it from someone who who does." Because yeah. they were so used to paying through that, um, and they were just adding to their God, monthly payment. If people or are actually it was. physically asking you, how, "Do you accept it?" How many people are just buggering off? Exactly, and not yeah. telling you, not asking you. Yeah, yeah. So it's becoming part and parcel of the 
of, of the the purchase and people are under, you know understanding what it is and you know it's a shame that people have to pay with finance and I don't really agree with it that you know people getting in you know you get into your you know it just seems like oh it's only an extra five pound a month but it's just like mm-hmm. God financially that doesn't make sense but um, it's what your customers want so you have to offer it and um, that's right you, you yeah. suffer if you don't you also yeah. talked you talked about the personalization of size and making it better and how to explain that so that was a big thing it's becoming more so you know i've seen people with yopo and 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 those kind of review things splitting the reviews off to actually ask specifically about size on specific products and like people saying well this one this product it, it's so you rate the of people size. say yeah, yeah say this is true to was size it, yeah. so, but if you're normally a medium buy a medium or if you're normally a size eight buy a size eight yeah so those kind of things can help um a lot um, you know, sizing wizards also help, you know, like if you're, if you've got the same, um, you know, if your customer tends to also buy from Gap a lot and you, 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 you've got as very, the same sizing as Gap. So if you buy a, Gap, a smaller Gap, buy a small from us, um, mm. you know, you could do those kind of an analogies, but it's, it's just going a bit further with size. Um, I mean, I think that the, one of the worst ones we saw recently was um, on that shirts company you started working with in near Oxford um and you know the, the size guide we took to a generic pdf and then you had to go into the pdf and you had to find on the pdf the the the, the article of clothing that you mm. were looking at and then you had to understand the size guide for that article and it's just like no god you know i've gone and it's you imagine trying it's to get on the mobile it it's just i know it's and just, also you you've lost me lots, yeah i know and and your sizing is so so important if you're showing people products that are not the right size on the category page you know, the technology now is there i mean you know the, yeah these are things that you'd have to come with time you know i wouldn't say go and invest in a massive personalization tool to do this but if you're doing you know decent numbers you know three million four million you know then it's going to make a difference so you know we've yeah. we've seen things where you know one of the problems with sizing is on the product listing page, the category page, you know, if you've got a dress that is available in, you know, 10 different sizes, but size, the popular sizes are out of stock. So, you know, eight, 10, 12 dresses are out of stock, but the size six, size 14, 16, 18 are in stock. Well, what, what do you do with that? Because obviously normally you'd say, okay, if the product's out of stock, push it down to the bottom of the page or take it off. Mm. what do you do in that situation so that's where it gets a bit more interesting and that's when we've 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 seen and we've done this um and recommended this where you have a weighting scoring system on your sizes so you you give a uh, a higher score for the popular sizes and a lower mm. score for the unpopular sizes so if if it's and then if popular size goes out of stock it lowers the score you know, more significantly. So that then pushes it down the page. And there's things like that that you have to be aware of. Mm. Um, Same thing where you know, I took that score and put that into Google Shopping so that when the product yeah. became very um, out of stock for the main, my most popular sizes, you know, then obviously I'm going to see the conversion rate reduce. And so therefore I would reduce the bids on on that product because often a lot of the time, People don't search for their size when they're looking for a clothing. They might search for uh, men's moleskin trousers, for example, but um, they don't say men's moleskin trousers mm. size 34 waist. They don't put that in the search query. So they're going to land probably on the same product as everybody else. But if that if those trousers have got 
are out of stock for like 90% of the sizes that people are going to land on, then just pull I'm going to lose conversion. Don't, yeah. 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 Don't put so, them in the feed. So it's bringing those rules through yeah. and it, there's a lot of very easy tools now that can do that, especially with, you know, Shopify and data feed watch and stuff. You can, you can build that out of the box pretty much. Yeah. Um, which is great. So, yeah. um, there's still, I mean, I was looking around the fashion sites. There's still a lot of fashion sites that are not using the product page checklist on our book. There's still obvious. I mean, pretty much every site I look at, there's still mm. those product page checklists that they can fix. And they could just, I mean, just fixing those product page checklists, that's probably sitting on 10 to 20% conversion rate gains just from doing, mm. just from doing that. I mean, it's just, it's out there. Um, just that would be the first thing to do. I think that's true, actually, that a lot of fashion businesses put so much emphasis on the photography, the image, which obviously is very important. And they, they then neglect the basics, like when is it going to come? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And is the, you know, what, how, what happens if I don't like it? You know, what's the returns policy? Yeah. Things like yeah. that. And it's also, there's only those few places on the product page that people look at. And, and that yeah, seems to be, that seems to be very hard for me to communicate to people. Is it like literally, it's like, imagine you're wearing blinkers and you can only see these three places, the product image, the product title, and the add to basket button. And if you, if you can't see anywhere else, all your other messages is gone. So therefore you've got to put those important messages around those three areas. Um, mm -hmm. And, but it, it's like, it, I'm obviously when I'm communicating this to people I'm talking to is I'm not making, I'm not making the point strongly enough that if they put somewhere in something else, people won't see it. Because you when I, I when the they do the changes, you, they're still yeah. missing. But you but you've got to also make sure that your your the key messaging is going in those three places, and those key mm. messagings will be a combination of 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 knocking the anxieties out of the park, but also increasing desirability. So, you know, if if a big anxiety is will it fit me, um, you would have a 30 day no free returns policy for example mm. if they're worried about you know if, they, you know if it doesn't fit them can I send it back that will be right there next to the add to basket button and on the shopping basket page and in the remarketing uh, emails mm. and the and the um you know behavioral based advertising yeah, yeah it yeah. all needs to be there and the other thing i would say that's become a much more bigger event around fashion has been coming the the unboxing people are sharing the unboxing a yeah. lot more around and especially if you have like a facebook group where people you know share their unboxing videos and things like that there's nothing that increases the conversion of a, of a customer who's on the fence uh, about buying than seeing someone else open what they want that what they might want to buy because they want to yeah. be they don't want to be disadvantaged they want to be experiencing the same thing as that person they go oh i want that and so people are doing kind of like, you know, unboxing. Such and an emotional an stage, isn't it? When you're, yeah. when you're getting that cloak, that new piece of clothing for the first time, you're trying it on and it's that, wow. That's yeah. the most And especially if they can tell a story about the unboxing. Yeah. You, know, you can put like a mystery gift in there and maybe there's a choice of five mystery gifts. And then people then talking about which mystery gift they got and say, well, I got the bracelet, I got this, you know. And it's almost like you could even do, I mean, we've done golden ticket style promotions for years across all sorts of businesses um which well, Willy Wonka really really client of ours yeah mr mr wonka um mr. Wonka. well we used to do, we did it for 
we used to do it for business to business and we used to do it for uh, consumer. I mean, this was like 10 years ago and they always worked and they always worked really, really well. And because it's kind of like a concept people understood and, um, you know, it was a chance to win something and, you know, buy today. And, you, and then, of course, people wanted to buy more and more chocolate or whatever we were selling. In this case, the first time we did it, I think it was servers. <laughs> Buy more servers just to get the chocolate, just to get the chocolate bar with the golden ticket. Was buy it worth it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but I think was, you could do it, was, it with socks it and stuff like that, couldn't you? You, you know, yeah. you could you could give free pair of socks away. And in fact, well, there's a quite a famous split test that someone did with one of our clients actually, where they gave some socks away and then tested the lifetime yeah. customer value. It was massive. Yeah. It really worked. It really it's helped. amazing how a little unrational thing an irrational thing can make a big difference to the repeat purchase. Yeah. And it, 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 it seems trivial, you know, like when we talk, oh, do this, do the golden ticket thing or do this. It seems trivial. And the customers sometimes kind of describe it. And it's like, well, the ones that have done it and just done it, they go, oh, it is, you know, these little trivial things can make big, big changes yeah. just because you're hitting, you're hitting the psychological psychology at the right spot at the right time. And it, it just has such a big effect. It's like a little key in the door. You know, the, that little key opens a big door, doesn't it? It opens a big thing. So, mm. you know, doing these little things at the right times actually have a big well, effect th- on your overall I, customer. Yeah, I think, value. I think the light, yeah, well, I think lifetime customer value is the absolute key metric for fashion businesses because, you know, they are businesses that, that you, you do have naturally decent lifetime customer value and i think what's very interesting is when we've when we've analyzed ltcv in the past for fashion businesses we see huge discrepancies between the products that people are first buying and their lifetime customer value and it's down Mm. to things like size as well and this seems so obvious but you never would have spotted this unless we'd analyzed it that the, the 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 larger clothing sizes and i mean the you know much larger ones extra extra large their mm-hmm. lifetime customer value of those customers was far greater than the normal sizes, mm-hmm. and you know that mm-hmm. get, you know that makes sense that that obviously if someone's buying you know for a suit for example um, you know a really really big men's man's suit you know they then they like the fit and they get used to it and they trust that and they don't want to go and you know because it's a risk to go buy somewhere else so they then they're more loyal. So what do you do? It's you absolutely true. Yes, if you're recruit, you spend yeah, more money to recruit those customers. Well, imagine if you're seven yeah. foot tall, you're not going to be able to walk into many stores and be able to get clothes. So when you do find something that fits, you're like, right, they're my mm. clothes. It's exactly the same and thing with me and food. That's such an obvious. Me and food. Such an I mean, obvious I, thing. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I yeah, can't so have dairy, can... so I've never had dairy. So when I find a restaurant that we, I mean, my family, we're all allergic to different things. When we find a restaurant we can eat at, we pretty much go to that restaurant all the time so our lifetime value for that restaurant is so much higher than anywhere else because it's difficult more difficult for us to find that thing so if you can cater to a a segment of the uh, of customers who find buying clothing difficult they're much more likely to keep buying with you because they don't want to have to go out and have the hassle of trying to find someone else who understands them i i also think that when somebody becomes a multi-buyer so when they rather than a single buyer, they start to become more loyal and they start to identify themselves through your brand and mm-hmm. it becomes part of their them. And as we talked about before, 
So if, if but if they only buy once, they, you know, you haven't really got them. You've gained nothing. You've got to get mm. them to buy a second time. And you always find that the most frequent buyers are the ones that have just bought. The multi-buyers mm. become multi-multi-buyers. And you almost get, if they don't buy again within the first probably two or three months, they, you, they don't buy again. Mm. Um mm. And so it's really, really important to focus on the lifetime customer value and essentially use loads of things you can do. The lovely thing about fashion is the margins are pretty good, you know, and you can pretty much dictate the price if you've got the right desirability. And mm. therefore, you can be quite creative with it. Um, you know, you can do all sorts yeah. of things. You can do loyalty point systems. You know, if they're done well, you can do. Um, you know, friends and family gift vouchers. You can do, you know, a, a, you know, a VIP club. You can do the premium delivery stuff, which is really exciting. Where you pay, you know, you give them free delivery for twelve months, like ASOS mm. do, and that that's cool. Those are the sort of things that you can really help drive lifetime customer value, which yeah. is fun. And I think the last thing that I would say is becoming a lot more important, especially for the smaller retailers, is is answering the question, who am I buying from? So if I walked into a shop and this person was selling to me, would I buy? Can I trust this person to do right by me? You know, everybody's in the position where they say, I just can't cope with any more stress. This better be easy. No one wants to get themselves into a situation where they have to A, return something, B, have a quibble with somebody or add any more stress to their lives. And so therefore they're coming in and they're looking to see whether they believe the person selling to them or the family or the team that's selling to them is someone that they would normally buy from, they can trust. And so, you know, a lot of times we don't answer that question on the product page. You know, who yeah. is it? Yeah. Who's behind this? You know, what, what are they like? What are they like as people? Do, I, do they look like someone I can uh, say, oh, actually, um, this doesn't turn out to be very, very good. Would you mind sorting this out for mm. me? You know, or do they look like someone that just go, nope, this is the rules. Yeah, and you know, you know what? Talking about the rules just made me think. You know, this. How, where do you start? You've got a fashion e-commerce business now. How do you know where you need to optimize the site? And and actually, the stats that we talked about. And you know, what? we haven't talked about this for ages. We should do because it's the absolute cornerstone of everything we believe in. But is is the 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 add to basket basket to checkout and checkout to order. And the mm. original stats where we said add to basket should be 10%. Of the people that are in the basket that go to the checkout, it should be 55%. And of the people that are in the checkout who actually place an order, it should be 84%. Mm. That originally came from fashion sites. That was like the bang mm. on average. And we all, when we were analysing it for everybody, they were the, that was the ones that sat in the middle. Mm. And so and it does tend to be that. But that, that is a mixture of having a bit of lifetime customer value and yeah. a, so a bit of, a, you know, a, a bit of customer database already. You, you, if you're starting mm. out, you won't find that. But just, just do that exercise. Look at how many people are adding to basket as a percentage and then how many people are going, you know, getting stuck in the, in the basket and not going any further. I think yeah, you'll start I, to see I, I where think it's a the process, you isn't might, it? Yeah, yeah, well, we, you, I, we, we had, a, we had a, a site selling vintage clothing and their out to basket stat was less than four and a half percent. And they came to us asking to, should, can we improve the checkout? Do you think we should? And we were like, well, 
No, because your checkout to order stat was 92%. Your add to basket stat 4%. Mm. And it really should be 10 And it's because no one can find the product and they're bouncing off the product pages. And it's, yeah. you know, that's it's just knowing where really the problem important. is. Know where the problem is, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. you know, focusing on 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 those 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 stats and like you know, as soon as it's like you know, we had a meeting before this. It's like what get me- what gets measured gets managed, and until you see it, yeah. and you know, you you then have the right conversation, and then you can improve things because it's so easy to become a busy fool. It is just mm. in business, it's so easy to be rushing around, especially with the lots of things. My God, yeah, I've never seen yeah. an industry. That's more full of bloody shiny distractions than e-commerce. Bloody ridiculous! Yeah, yeah. Every Dangerous. day there's a new there's a new thing coming new out. Things, new plugins. It's like it's like oh, put this in and you'll double We've your conversion rate. It's conversion like, rates. Treble, treble it. No, it won't. Yeah. So you just got to know anything. your framework, and you got to know that you're improving things yeah. in the right way, and you got to you got just got to focus on the the most important thing at that time. Otherwise, you yeah. just get over, overwhelmed. Um, yeah. Anyway, thank you very much, Ian. With your KPIs. Yeah, you too. Yeah. Thank you very much. Chat um, soon. We'll, we'll chat next week. See you next week. Um, I, I would just say if you yeah, want to, we'll probably do a question and answer session soon. So if you do have any questions uh, you want us to cover, uh, I think probably a lot of you are in our uh, Facebook group, which goes along with our book. So ask them there or uh, just comment on one of the podcasts and we'll just collate uh, the questions and we'll have a Q&A session shortly because uh, we haven't had one for a, for a couple of months so cool. that'd be good anyway thank you very much Ian and I'll speak to you all soon thanks Mark thanks everyone bye, bye.